0: Hi, hello. Welcome to I'm Bad at Book Club, a podcast for people who joined a book club and then just decided, I'm really just going to book club for the snacks, but I probably should know a little bit about the book that they read. This is your place. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to read your book for you and then just tell you like the main plot points in an informational yet hopefully entertaining way. I am Jenna Gonzalez. I technically am an elementary school teacher, which is probably how I have time to do this podcast because, as we all know, elementary school teachers are pretty lazy and have nothing else to do with their time, but um, read books for book club and then tell other people about those books because, I mean, I'm done at three and I get summers off, so tons of time. Anyways, I joined a book club with people at my workplace And as we've been getting into it, we realized that A, um, not everybody has time to read the book. Or B, some people start reading the book and then are so bored to tears by the book that they do not finish it. And so is my sincere hope to help people in my own book club and people in book clubs far and wide for me to read their book and then retell it to them, which I think we've um, covered fairly Fairly well in the first couple minutes of um, this first episode. Speaking of the first episode, I have chosen to recap the book that my own dear book club book club chose for winter, January no December January, which was *The Snow Child* by A.O. and Ivy, which was published in two thousand twelve, and it's a great choice for winter book club because it is mostly about the winter so really spot on their book club you guys did a great job I personally was not super sure about this book and maybe you are also not super sure about this book but we're gonna get into it and we'll um let's circle back and see what we think at the end here we go the snow child we open with Mabel and Mabel is having a hard time Uh, She's like 45. She lives in Alaska in 1920, and she is not happy. She wanted to move to Alaska in the first place because she and her husband experienced a horrible, horrible tragedy in which they experienced um, a stillbirth about 10 years prior to the opening of this book. And it affected Mabel so deeply. Of course it did. But it affected her so deeply that um, she just felt like she needed to get away from it all. And so here they are in Alaska. However, she's describing winter to us in the beginning. And it sounds horrifying. Um, Just nothing good about winter. And she's going quite crazy about it. She's thinking about it and just thinking like, you know what? I did winter last year. I don't want to do it again. So my, my only recourse is to throw myself into the frozen river. And it's a real uh, shocker to open the book with one of your main characters threatening um, suicide. But here we are. So she goes out onto that river and it's frozen. And she just decides that she's going to just walk out onto the kind of frozen river And she's going to walk to this cliff. And if she makes it, she makes it. But she's really hoping she falls through that ice and does not have to come out of it. And so she tenuously walks across this slippery ice. And miraculously, she makes it to the cliff. The ice doesn't break. And she kind of like snaps out of it and goes home to make dinner for her husband, Jack. And Jack comes home. And we see that in addition to Mabel just having like a terrible life, personally on her own, her marriage is also terrible. Uh, she and her husband do not speak. And considering they are the only two people within any sort of, I mean, its they are the only two people that they see during the day, to not speak to each other is fairly unsettling. So right off the bat, we're just, it's not good. Not looking good. And we kind of move on to see... Jack's point of view, we kind of get into Jack's head a little bit. He is going on an errand into town and he's not, we find out he's not doing well either. Just as Mabel is miserable, Jack is also miserable, but for maybe different reasons. He is thinking that, you know, he feels guilty. The farm situation that they came out to do is not going so well. He's an older man. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's feeling like, he's like, I don't know what we're going to do. He's very distraught over how they're going to survive. And he's thinking that they're basically going to have to get by through the winter by selling pies because they don't have any other way to make money. And they really didn't make a lot of money because he really hasn't started the farm yet. I don't know what they did for the first, sounds like for the first year that they were in Alaska, he just built them a house and then now it's winter again. So they're going to sell these pies in town. But when he gets to town, they're like, sorry, we actually don't need your pies anymore. We have some like cousin coming in to make pies for us. And he's like, great. I have no way. to Now I really have no way to make money. And so they suggest that maybe he goes and works in the mines, which also sounds like not a good plan because he, again, is like an older man. And he meets up with this neighbor, which its I'm not super clear on how close this neighbor is. He could be a mile away. He could be five miles away. I don't understand how distance works in this book. So whatever. It's their neighbor. His name is George. And he kind of offers that like he and his sons will come over and help Jack with his farm. And then maybe Jack can come over and help George with their farm. To which Jack is kind of like, "Mm, no, thank you. Like... My my wife doesn't like strangers. My, I mean, really, his wife doesn't like people. We are going to find out pretty soon. And he's kind of like I don't know. He leaves it with the neighbor George. Like I don't know, maybe. Um, however, pretty much as soon as uh, we get into the next chapter, George and his sons are there. So obviously, Jack has decided. I really need help. I need. I need the sons. I need. I need somebody around. And he does not tell his wife this because, again, they do not speak to each other. And so really just these men show up at Mabel's house and she's like, the fuck? Like, what are you doing? You know I don't like people. And which is maybe why he didn't tell her. We kind of get some flashbacks about why Mabel doesn't like people. And it seems like everybody just made her feel so bad about not being able to have children that they quite frankly, ran her out of town. Jack's family was so miserable to her that she felt like being in Alaska would be better than sitting at another family gathering where people whisper about her. So George and the sons come and help at the farm and later invite Mabel and Jack to come to their Thanksgiving. And Mabel is very worried about this Thanksgiving she's worried that they're not gonna think she looks okay she's really worried about her appearance she's really worried about if her pies are gonna be flaky enough or whatever people who make pies worry about and then when she gets over to the Benson's house and she meets George's wife Esther she realizes like they're very chill people like Esther is not the typical lady like she was experiencing maybe back home with Jack's family, Esther's like wearing men's pants, which they mention a lot. so it must have been pretty scandalous for Esther to be bopping around in some overalls because it's, it is, it is mentioned multiple times that this woman is wearing pants. So Esther wears pants she she chops the head off the turkey for Thanksgiving. She's like a real woman of Alaska so Mabel ends up kind of bonding with her a little bit and and feeling more comfortable about having neighbors they talk a lot about how Jack and Mabel are really going to need a moose to get them through the winter. Like they are not going to be able to survive the winter unless they have a moose. Turns out Jack is a terrible hunter. He doesn't know how he's going to get a moose, but they need a moose later when Jack and Mabel get home. I don't remember how this happens, but a snowball fight ensues and they're like kind of being playful with each other. And, They start a little snowball fight, and then they end up making a snowman that turns into like, oh, let's make it into like a little girl. And so they kind of dress this little snow girl up in some red mittens and a red scarf, and they carve a little face into her, and that's really great. In the morning, Jack goes out to do something, and he sees that in the snow there are tracks of a fox And also little boots the size of a child. And there's no boot tracks coming into their yard. There's only boot tracks going from the snow girl into the forest. And also the gloves and the scarf are gone. Jack makes a choice here and does not tell his wife about the tracks in the snow. Again, these two do not communicate at all. And so he just kind of says like, "Well, that's weird," and just goes on with his day. But eventually Mabel sees the boot tracks and she confronts Jack and says like, "Hey, did you see these boot- there's like a child's boot tracks in our yard? Should we do we need to be worried about this?" And Jack is kind of like, "I don't know. You know, nobody reported a lost child, so it's probably fine." Mabel thinks that she sees a glimpse of the little girl. She kind of sees like a flash of a blue coat. And she sees the red scarf and the the red mittens. But when she follows what she sees into the woods, she kind of loses what she thinks is a girl. And she comes across a fox eating a dead bird, which is gross. And then she like runs back into the house. Later, Jack actually is able to kill the biggest moose anybody's ever seen. And he's only able to do this because he sees the girl and he kind of chases after the girl and then she disappears, but he kind of looks to the left and there's like a moose right there and he shoots it. And then he's not really sure what he's doing because he, again, is not a good hunter. He's in way over his head. He's not got a clue. But luckily, the youngest Benson's son from the neighbor, this boy's name is Garrett. He's a great hunter and he happens upon Jack and he's like so impressed. Like, wow, this is the biggest moose I've ever seen. Like you did such a great job. And all the Bensons come over to Jack and Mabel's house, which again, Mabel's super not okay with. But they all come over and they're all celebrating this moose and they're congratulating Jack and everybody's having a great time. And Mabel is still just not super comfortable with any of this. She's she thinks the moose is gross. She doesn't she's not really down with having like a moose meat in the barn. And Mabel ends up asking Esther and George if a little girl is lost or if they've heard of a little girl going lost and George and Esther are both like uh, n- no you know there's like 10 people in this town so you know exactly like who has a daughter and none of their daughters are missing pretty much Esther thinks that Mabel is having some sort of cabin fever she's having some sort of visions it's kind of like insinuated that oh you know here's this childless woman and she's making up a child because she's lonely in the snow And it kind of just gets left at that. And Jack is a terrible husband in this moment because they say like, well, Jack, have you seen this little girl? And he's like, I don't know. No, even though we as the reader know he literally would not have killed that moose had it not been for the little girl. So later, Jack actually tries to lure the little girl a la... Reminded me of, like, leaving ego waffles for 11 in Stranger Things. But Jack just starts, like, leaving food in the forest, like, biscuits and candy and a slice of pie. He's leaving those things in the woods, kind of hoping to bait the little girl out of, out of hiding. But none of them work. And so he tries a different tactic, and he buys this, like, beautiful porcelain doll. And he kind of calls out in the woods, like, hello, like, this is for you. I don't know if you're here, but, like... Here's a doll. And that's really what gets her gets her out. So she takes, the, the little girl takes the doll. And she leaves them on their doorstep. She leaves them this little basket that she's made and put wild blueberries in. And so they kind of start to see like, okay, this little girl is real. Like, or, you know, she's real enough to be leaving us blueberries on our door. And they kind of argue a little bit about like, there's an eight-year-old living in the forest. Should we, again, should we say something? Should we get other people involved? And they decide, no, everybody thinks we're crazy. So we're just going to move along. Mabel is pretty convinced that the little girl is their snowman or their snow child come to life. And she has a recollection of this beautiful old fairy tale book that her father used to read her about an old man and an old woman who are who have never had children and so they make a little snow daughter but she can't remember what happens and so she writes to her sister back east in Pennsylvania and says like hey can you like find this book for me it's blue Mabel then is kind of like watching Jack chop wood and she actually sees the girl and she sees that Jack says something to little girl the little girl waves and then kind of runs away And Mabel's like yelling at him, like, go after her. And he does. And then he's gone for a very long time. So Mabel's pacing. She's really worried. She's like, oh, well, great. I've like told him to go out into the forest. And now he's missing. But he does come back later. And when he does, he comes back. He's freezing cold. And he does not want to talk about it. Uh, Guys, are you seeing a pattern here? (laughs) Because they don't talk about it. He just kind of brushes her off. And she just... She does angry cleaning, like that's her way to deal with this. This marriage is that she just like angry cleans, and that's meant to like uh, show Jack that she's displeased. Eventually, we get to go back and see Jack's point of view of the chase, which is that he chases this girl so deep into the woods, and then he starts kind of climbing up into the mountains, and she disappears into what he thinks is the mountain. But really it's just like he sees when he gets closer that she's not in the mountain. There's like a little door in the mountain. So she's like gone into some sort of like little cave. And so the reason we find out the reason that he comes home and he doesn't want to talk about anything is one, he's freezing, he's tired, but also he's embarrassed that he was, he knew where the little girl had went, but he was essentially too scared to go to the door. So what he realizes is that if he just kind of ignores her, the little girl if he just kind of ignores the little girl doesn't say anything to her which I mean we know by now he's very good at not talking to people so when she when the little girl does show up next he doesn't even acknowledge her so he just kind of goes along with her work and she the little girl continues to follow him around and then at the end of the day he starts walking back in the house and he calls over his shoulder like okay it's time for dinner come on And miraculously, the little girl, she follows them. And she she comes in and Mabel is like, you know, shocked and also just super pleased to have this little girl at dinner. And the girl gives them this little pelt that she's made for them as like a gift. And they feed her. She does not speak. But they notice as they're eating dinner, she gets very sweaty inside the cabin. She's like dripping. And even though it's below zero outside, Mabel's like, open the door because we know Mabel thinks this is a snow child. So she's like, you open the door. Like she's going to melt if we don't open the door. Mabel also is asking this little girl too many questions. And so the girl kind of gets spooked and she just puts all her little coat back on and she runs out the door. Later, the girl comes back. Like she comes, basically she comes back like every two or three days is essentially the schedule. So we're just meant to know that she'll come one day and then she probably won't come for another couple of days and then she'll just kind of pop back up. So after the the dinner incident, she pops back up again into um, when Jack is working and she makes Jack promise that he's not going to tell a secret. And he's kind of, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of experience with kids and he's kind of uncomfortable with this and not really sure that he should agree to keep a secret before he knows what it is. But he's like, yeah, sure, Okay. So she leads him way up into the mountains, way like, you know, by where her little um, cave door is. And she pulls some blankets or like some leaves or brush away. And she reveals this corpse. And Jack is like, oh my God, what is, who is this? And the little girl explains that this was her papa. And he was drinking, um, he was drinking what she calls like Peter's drink or Peter's water. And her papa would not come in and he wouldn't get warm. And that he essentially just froze to death in front of her. And she was trying to wake him up and she was trying to warm him up. And he just um, drank himself to death. And she didn't know what to do. So she just kind of covered him up. And then now she's like, telling this adult jack please help i'm I'm a child i do not know what to do with this this grown man and so jack is super freaked out he doesn't tell mabel again he does not speak to his wife for most of this this the whole for the whole first half of the book he's just never speaking to her about anything important he goes into town and he tries to casually ask oh like is there any trappers that are living up maybe near me that might be i don't know blonde and this build and everybody's like oh yeah there's this guy we call him the swede we think he speaks russian he doesn't really come around much but when he does he's like he's always drinking And I think he spends a lot of time up there in the mountains. And we think he hangs out with the Native Americans sometimes. And Jack says, oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, Does he happen to have like a daughter or like any children at all? Doesn't have to be a daughter. Just, you know, like a wife or, you know, just any other people around. And everybody in town is like, um, no, not that we know of. So he helps her bury the father. One night at dinner, they finally kind of coax the girl into telling them her name, which ends up being Faina. When she speaks in the book, it's really interesting the way that the author did it because when anyone is talking to Faina, there's no quotation marks. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's supposed to represent, but it's kind of jarring. And I like to think that they are just like I don't know, like speaking to her in their minds. I don't know; it's so weird. Another day, Faina discovers that Mabel is really good at drawing and asks Mabel to draw a portrait of her. And so Mabel does, and Faina thinks this is great, and she keeps the, the the portrait. And Mabel, you know, they're bonding. Mabel's so happy. The fairy tale book from the sister in Pennsylvania finally comes. It turns out the book is in Russian, but the sister was able to get it translated, and she tells. Mabel basically it's this fairy tale. It's kind of like little red riding hood or Cinderella where there's a bunch of different versions, but the core text is pretty, the, the core story is pretty much the same no matter what version you read, which is that there's an old man and an old woman. They've never had a child. So they make a snow child who comes to life and in the spring she leaves them. And then in the winter she comes back And this, the, you know, as all fairy tales, it has to end tragically or else what's even the point. And in this particular fairy tale, no matter what version you read, the snow child disappears forever. She either like melts because she gets too close to the fire or she goes out and plays with the children and she like, she melts because she doesn't leave soon enough for the spring. But this little snow child in the story is always melting no matter, no matter what, which Mabel is not. Super happy to hear. Since she's getting, um, she's getting really fond of Faena, and would you know hate to have her melt later in the winter. Things are not going well. It's bleak. There's a whole chapter where uh, these people have to kill all twelve of their chickens, and it's uh, tough stuff. So the good thing about killing all of their chickens is that they finally talk about their feelings. I and mean, uh, No one was as shocked as I was. And they talk about Jack feels, Jack expresses that he feels guilty for not taking care of Mabel. You know, he's put them in this horrible spot where they can't even afford to feed their chickens and they've had to slaughter these chickens that were like Mabel's truly her only friends. And Mabel says, no, I, I don't want you to feel guilty about that. I want you to like, let me help with the farm. And Jack's like, no, you're a woman. Like, no. No. You know, you, st- you take care of the house. I'm going to take care of the farm. And Mabel kind of tries to explain that the whole reason she wanted to move out here so they could do it together. And he's, you know, not going along with that. So they don't talk more about that. They kind of just leave it for the time being. As the chapters go on, we realize that the, every time Mabel tries to bring up this little girl with the, the neighbors, George and Esther Benson, they think she's fully nuts. Like, they smile and nod, but basically they think she's um, cuckoo. As the winter starts to wrap up, Fina takes Mabel out into the snow and asks her to draw a very specific snowflake. And so she holds the snowflake on her mitten and Mabel sketches it. And at the end of their little sketch sesh, Fina gives Mabel a kiss on the cheek and Mabel says she knows that that means like goodbye. And so... Here we are. We're in the spring and the farm is not ready cuz Jack was distracted by the little girl and also like not really knowing what he's doing because back home he was like an apple farmer and that's completely different to the potatoes and the lettuce and the things they're trying to farm. They're also in Alaska, which I can't imagine is very easy to farm in. So he's just he's not ready. He is panicking a little bit. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He wasn't there when Faina left. So he thinks she's like dead basically. And so he runs up to where he remembers a little door being and he goes in to the little door and he finds that Faina's father had made them this like really cute little cave that he, but he built a house into it and so there's like a little bed and there's a little place for cooking, and he kind of rifles through the things and he finds pictures of Faina's mother and father and little baby Faina and her baby blanket, but no sign of her. So he's like sad and he thinks that she's like definitely dead. And so he kind of goes back to his farm. And sadly, things continue to go very poorly because then uh Jack's back gets just super fucked up um he's out there by himself obviously because god forbid his wife help him and he has this horse that's not not super great for farming it's like a really skittish horse but it's all he could afford and the horse gets spooked by a bear and drags Jack behind it somehow Uh, however it is this man cannot move he says his toes are numb and Mabel finds him out, like, in the dark, in the, sn- in the, not the snow, but, like, in the mud. And she has to drag him back home. And then she's she goes into town. She's trying to find a doctor. This town doesn't have a doctor. This is the homestead. This is, you know, this is the territory. We're out in the middle of nowhere. It's 1920 in Nowheresville, Alaska. Like, there's no doctor. And she could go on the train to Anchorage, but they're broke, so they can't afford a train ticket. And so the best the townspeople can do is they give her laudanum and some booze and say, like, good luck. I I think it, one person tells her, like, oh, yeah, you know, backs just have to work themselves out, which it's, I, I do not think that's how backs work. But OK, um, Mabel's pretty much ready to go. Like her husband can't move. He's screaming. He's crying in pain. She doesn't know how to help him. She's you know, she's been cooking pies for the last year and a half. So she doesn't know what to do and their neighbor George comes by and Mabel says, you know, we're packing it in. We this is insane. Like we can't go on like this. This is a total bust. Like this was a mistake. We're we're out of here. And George says, "No." Like, "Oh, you guys are like you're such great neighbors and Esther really likes you." And he kind of tries to convince Mabel to stay and she's pretty much like, "Bro, <laughs> my husband his toes are numb. Like what are we doing?" The next day or a couple of days later, Esther and Garrett the neighbors show up and Esther announces like we're moving in Garrett you know our younger we don't need him he's like a teen you know he's the youngest son he kind of gets in the way so he's coming here to help you with the farm I'm gonna help you with your husband's back situation we're living here we're gonna help you like you're not moving and um, Mabel says, okay. And that's kind of how it goes. So for the rest of the spring, we've got Garrett is teaching Mabel about how to farm. They get the, you know, they bring the Benson's horses over to help them plow the land because their horses are like not, you know, complete nightmares like the Mabel and Jack's horse. They get all the potatoes planted Everything's going really well. Jack's back starts to heal very slowly. So, so things going into the summer are so much better. Thank goodness that these people had nice neighbors. The Bensons decide to leave Garrett, the teenager, with Mabel and Jack for the summer to help more with the farm because Jack's like, okay, but not, you know, he's, you know, like 45 or something. He's in no shape to run a farm by himself. And he also, again, doesn't know what he's doing. So they leave a teenager there basically to help these people with their farm. But it goes really well. And the farm is super successful. And I have to tell you, they do not mention the farm for most of the rest of the book. And so I guess we're just meant to assume like they're doing great. I can only assume that this farm is just great from now until forever, because this is the last we ever hear about problems on the farm or difficulties on the farm. Like we move on from the farm pretty, pretty quickly. Jack finds out that Mabel is working on a new coat for Faina and he's kind of mad about it because he's like, she's gone. I'm pretty sure she's dead. And Mabel's like, no, 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 she's coming back. Like Mabel is very sure she's coming back again because Mabel thinks this is, this is like a a snow fairy. That will come back when the winter starts so she's like i gotta get this coat done for our little our little friend and lo and behold at the first snow Faina shows up at their doorstep she's covered in blood because she's just skinned some rabbits but she's like a little bit taller she's grown a little bit over the summer but here she is jack is just like floored he's like "Uh, i can't believe you're here hello And Mabel's very cool about it. Mabel's just like, hey, hi, like, hello, here's this beautiful coat. I worked so hard on it. And everyone agrees that it's beautiful. Faina ends up leaving in a huff because Jack is like, okay, I thought you were dead for a whole summer. You are like 10. You cannot live on your own. Like, you are going to live here. And is like, I absolutely am not. And so she leaves. Mabel kind of gets into it with Jack after Faina storms out. She's like, "Listen, I'm pretty sure like this little girl's a snow child." And Jack says, "What are you talking about? What are you even saying?" And Mabel shows him the fairy tale and he's like, "No, she's not a snow fairy. Like, ma- she's not magical. She's not she's just a little girl. She's just a little o- orphan." And Mabel's like, no, you couldn't possibly know that. She's definitely a snow child. And so Jack finally confesses, I buried her father in the ground. She told me that her mother died of consumption when she was a baby. Like her father drank himself to death in front of her. She's just like an orphan living in the woods. She's not magic. And so Mabel like fully loses her mind at this. And Mabel like runs out into the woods and she's she gets herself completely lost and turned around. And she like drops her lantern in the snow. It's dark, it's snowing. She doesn't know where she is. She almost dies. Basically Jack ends up finding her and they are, he like nurses her, you know, back to health enough and tries to get her through the night during this camp out. We'll, we'll say they finally have a conversation. I it, were like 11 and a half years past the tragedy of losing their child but they finally talk about it and Mabel learns that the child was a boy and that Jack named him and buried him in this really beautiful like place and it's clear that like this this heals this is a lot of healing for them to finally speak about it because again it's been 11 and a half years and these people do not speak to each other so it's nice that they have this conversation so, uh, Mabel, you know, gets back home, but she continues to, now she looks at Faina, she's like, I-, I thought this girl was magic, and it turns out she's just a 10-year-old living in the forest. So, she's, like, continuously trying to get Faina to stay in their house and to go to school, and Faina's like, absolutely not, like, I am fine, I, I do not need you, I-, I am fine. And um, she really storms out one day. And Jack kind of looks out the window and he notices that Faena is having this whole like temper tantrum. And while she's, you know, kind of like throwing her hands around, the snow starts to swirl around and this huge snowstorm starts. And so Jack is like, is this orphan a magic orphan? We don't know. We just continue on into the winter. You know, Faina's is coming and going and they're fighting about, you know, where she's going to stay and finally, Faina takes Mabel on like a little day trip up into the mountains. And Mabel finally realizes by watching Faina and by looking out at the nature that Faina actually does know how to take care of herself and that she's fine. And she asks Faina, like, where do you go in the spring? And Faina tells us that she just goes further up into the mountains. And I think there's like caribou up there or something that she watches them migrate or what I don't know, she goes on like Summer vacation basically to where it's still snowing. To where it is still snowing. At the end of this second winter together, uh, Jack buys some ice skates, and there's like a really beautiful scene of them, the three of them ice skating like a real family. We move into a huge time jump. Um, It's now six years later. We hear that Faina comes and goes every winter. People still do not believe this child is real. They have now lived next to the Bensons for six plus years, I guess eight years when you count the two years that we just saw in the book, but they still do not believe that this girl is real. Garrett actually sees Faena's old fox, because he's old now, and he kills Faina's fox. And he immediately feels ashamed, but he doesn't tell anyone. When he goes to kind of talk to Mabel and Jack later, they say, you're like pretty much a son, you're the third son in your family. So you're definitely not getting anything like when your parents die. So when we die, you may have this farm. And Garrett's kind of like, Oh, no, I like I prefer to be a trapper. I like to live out in the wild. I like to be on my own. I don't want to be a farmer. And they say, Yeah, but like, just take our farm. Okay. And so he does. Garrett Finally, sees Feyn in person. He comes across her in the wild, and she's brutally killing a swan that has gotten trapped in one of her traps. And he just observes her killing the swan. And weirdly, this endears her to him, and he's like kind of fascinated by her. Then he feels really bad that he killed the fox. Then Esther and George kind of show up unannounced on Christmas, and they actually they also see Faina. So here we are, 6 years in, they finally see her and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is the girl. She's real." Hooray. As we progress, we notice that Garrett and Faina are are definitely falling in love. They have like very flirty little chapters where they do competitions over who's better at living in the wild and it's it's definitely Faina. All the way, she's much better at at everything than him, but he kind of likes that, I think. And so he does what any young teen thinks is a great idea, which is he buys Faina a dog and a puppy, a husky puppy, and she immediately falls in love with it and they start to train it. So around this time that uh, Garrett gets Faina a dog, Mabel realizes, uh uh-oh, like I think they're into each other. (laughs) It's like, Mabel, welcome. Like (laughs) he bought her a dog. She kind of says, oh, Jack, like, I'm pretty sure the kids are in love. And Jack's like, no, no, no. And she's like, I, I really think something's going on between them. And Jack doesn't really want to believe it. And then we find out that Fina has announced that she's going to stay for the summer. So these people who are her parents have begged her to stay for the summer since she was like eight years old. But now she got a boyfriend, so she's now she's gonna, now she's gonna stay for the summer. Now it's very important for her to stay for the summer. So they're like, "Oh, okay." And Jack still doesn't really believe that they're in love. And then he catches them in the forest, and he is like enraged that they're together. And later he punches Garrett in the face, like any good father figure would do. Uh, surprise, surprise! Feyna falls pregnant. Mabel is. Not super thrilled about this, not only because it's a teen pregnancy, but also because in the fairy tale book, in one of the versions of the snow maiden fairy tale, after the snow maiden marries this mortal man and falls in love, she disappears, as is what happens in every version of the fairy tale. But Mabel is very freaked out about this and is like very nervous about Fainan and Garrett getting together. But they, she and Jack kind of go with it. Jack goes ahead and builds um, a cabin for Garrett and Faina on the property so that they can help them when the baby comes. And there's this beautiful wedding. All the family comes. We see everybody together. Faina has made this beautiful wedding dress that she uh, decorated with the swan feathers from the brutal swan murder earlier in in the book. After they're married, Garrett realizes how little time Faina plans on spending in their cabin that that they just built. Uh, She's gone all the time. He's kind of like uh, not super comfortable with it. Like he knows that she's safe, but he also is kind of like, uh, you're pregnant and a teen and we're married. And like, I kind of thought you were going to be home more that there's no time to, to even deal with that issue though, because the baby comes, it's a boy. And Faina had a very trying birth experience and her body is just not well. And so one day when Mabel comes over, Faina just, she's got to get outside because as we know, she mostly spends her time outside, but she's so weak. She can't even make it seven steps past the door. And Mabel is like, "Uh, this is not, Mabel's worried. It's not, it's not good if she can't be out in the snow and later she gets a horrible fever and she's in pain and she can't move and they think she has some sort of infection, something that's that's happened from giving birth because of how hard it was. They're trying to make her as comfortable as possible. They're trying to get her fever down. They are going to bring her to Anchorage on the train in the morning. They've just gotta get her through the night but she's just like not doing well at all And and putting snow on her seems to help. And she just wants to be outside. And so they say, well, do you want to sit outside for a little bit? And she says that sitting is too painful. And so Garrett makes her this little bed that she can sleep in outside under the stars. And Mabel goes to sit next to Faina. And she's just kind of like sitting with her and listening to her breathe. And eventually Mabel falls asleep. And when she wakes up, faina has gone. There's there's no trace of her. Her coat is still there, the bed and the quilt are still there. Her all like all her clothes are gone. So like if she did go anywhere, she's naked. She's got no clothes on, but she's just she's disappeared. And Mabel and Jack, they know that it's like the final time. Like she's not coming back this time. And Garrett is panicked, and he goes like riding out into the forest, just like screaming her name. It's very sad. It's it's ah. It's like you know it's coming because they mention multiple times in the story, like every version of this fairy tale ends with the snow child never returning. But it's, it's tough. So we are now in the epilogue. Faina disappears. It's seven years later. Garrett is a single dad to a little boy that they call Jay, which is short for jack so they call him little jack and all the grandparents are helping to raise jay but it's mostly mabel and jack are mostly helping because garrett's cabin is still on their property and they're still leaving their farm to garrett and garrett is more of like a trapper so he's out trapping and then mabel and jack take care of jay during the day And we just get a... The epilogue is just like... We get a little glimpse into how they live. George and Esther come over. Jay's very happy. He has like all these adults that love him. And they tell him stories of his mother. And... Everyone's just kind of doing okay. Even the dog. Who... The dog never gets a name. The, The dog... Faena would just call the dog. Like with a whistle. So it never needed a name. So dog is good. And at the very end of the entire book, we end on the first snow of the winter. And that's, that's the snow child. That's it. We did it. We've done it. We've covered it. What do you guys think? Did you like? I liked. I liked. I would not have picked it for myself, but I am glad to have read it. I didn't hate it. The end really goes fast, like pretty much once we're six years in the future, and Garrett and Freya start going in love. Like we know where it's headed, and it goes real fast. Um, but I, honestly, like no complaints. It's a pretty good book. I am excited to 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 either talk or not talk about it with people at book club. I hope that people from my own book club have listened to this, and that they can then form a discussion around the snack table about this fine fine book if you have a book that you do not want to read that you would like me to read for you and sum up in a quick 45 to 50 minute recap um, please let me know I'm on instagram at I'm bad at book club I've got an email I'm bad at at gmail.com I've got a website I'm bad at and I even have like a phone number. So if you like to call and share either your thoughts about this book or if you just want to tell me a book that I need to read for you, the number is 831-204-0532. And I will read your book for you and I'll tell you about it. So keep me informed. Tell a friend if you enjoyed Um, there are multiple ways to like give it five stars in multiple different places, depending on what app you're on. I'm sure there's a way to give me five stars in some form. Um, what else do I want to tell you? I think that's it. I think I'm going to do a slow fire burning for the next one. So if that's like something your book club is getting up to next, I will tell you all about it. But until then, you continue being bad at book club. I'll continue reading for you. And um, goodbye.